Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderbilt, your host today. Today I'm going to be speaking with Dr Debbie Pusher. Debbie is a professor in the Department of Curriculum Studies at the University of Saskatchewan in Canada. Debbie has engaged in narrative inquiries into parent engagement and leadership, a curriculum of parents and parent knowledge. In both her undergraduate and graduate teaching, Debbie makes central and often absent or underrepresented conversation about the positioning of parents in relation to the school landscape. Debbie, in collaboration with the Parent Engagement Collaboratives 1 and 2, published Portals of Promise, Transforming Beliefs and Practices Through a Curriculum of Parents, and Living as Mapmakers, Charting a Course with Children Guided by Parent Knowledge. And it is my great pleasure to welcome Debbie Pusher. Thanks for inviting me, Jackie. It's always such a pleasure to talk with you. Um, Debbie, you know, we've had 50 years of research into parent engagement and the effectiveness and the value of parent engagement. Why do you think it is that we're still defining and advocating for it? Yeah, it can be a puzzling question, that's for sure, Jackie, given the depth and breadth of the research. I think, for me, I guess it comes from that notion of, I've, I've written in my earlier work about that notion of school as protectorate. Historically, uh, educators moved into a community, claimed that ground called school, established the policies, practices, procedures, and then told parents how schooling was going to work for their children and for them. And, and it has a long history and history is hard to change and I think part of that too then is that it became the way it was it was taken for granted by all of us Um, and we all became complicit in it so when a school invited us as parents to a meet the teacher evening we all show up right Mm -hmm. so we don't challenge the notion that the focus is on teachers in school rather than on parents and families or children we, we all just play that part. We play that game. And so, um, you know, inadvertently, teachers have been complicit in perpetuating it. Parents have been complicit in, you know, arriving when parent-teacher conferences were scheduled, signing the report cards. And so, you know, we found ourselves in this place where we've stopped asking questions about it. So when I talk to groups about, well, why are you having a, a meet-the-teacher night and not the parent, a meet the parent or meet the family night they go oh oh I I never thought of that before right and so um, I think it's getting to a place where we where we really look at that research and say it's time to interrupt the story of school that's been unfolding all of these years and how are we going to how are we going to do that so it, it really is going to take a large shift, I think, from being what, what I, I use Michael Lawson's term, being school-centric, where it's about the school, it's about the school's agenda, it's about the role of the teacher, it's about the curriculum, and not so much about the kids or families who, who come to that school. And turning that around to get a much more family-centric kind of look at schooling. Um, but that's a big change. And, and like I said, long history that's gotten us to where we are. So it's going to take a conscious interruption to change that, I think. Are you seeing changes in thinking in, in the jurisdictions that you're more closely associated with? I do, but I still think there's pockets of 
of change, Jackie. So we have people who have had teacher education in the area of parent engagement are seeing possibilities and understanding them. In areas where there's things have been taken up, we're getting change, but I wouldn't say we're getting widespread change yet. I don't think we're at that place where it's affected um, how our departments of education see education and schooling or how principals or school districts see it. I think, I think it continues to be random rather than systematic. And that's, that's one of the things that I think is, is really going to need to be where our focus moves Sure. Uh, is to taking a much more systematic approach to our application and use of the research that we have. We've certainly seen here in Australia, you know, sort of te- very tentative moves towards the, the notion of something, system, you know, systemic. And, uh, you know, we've got the standards and the, edu- the teaching standards around right. parent engagement. So we've got two very specific ones around parent engagement. There was um, a, a policy push at a, um, at a, a, a national level around, you know, students first. And one of the pillars was, you know, parent engagement. And there was a lot of very busy activity that went on with that, but there was sort of, it, it seems to have lost a lot of traction. And my, mm. my concern is that we're moving to something that looks a bit more like a, a ticker box and mm. it's only as good as the person leading the, the school organisation as to whether or not it actually gets off the ground. Um, yeah. I suppose that, that really ties in with your, 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 uh, your comment there about random, random acts of parent engagement. Um, right. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's obviously a growing, uh, still a concern for us too. So, look, that, 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 all of those things, I think we sort of can keep talking about that forever. But um, mm. I really like there's a, a term that I heard you or a phrase I heard you, you mention um, in social media recently that schools don't own education. I love that line. Nice. Stand on that for us, please. Yeah, for sure. That's a line that I heard from Nancy Angevine Sands, and Nancy's located in our province of Ontario in the Toronto region of Canada, and she has a podcast called Voice Ed, and um, her her lead into her podcast, she often often uses that motto or that, that slogan, and I love it too because it speaks to the difference between education and schooling, and we often talk about school as if it's both right and we talk about the professional educators within schools as being the ones who educate our children and I challenge that notion strongly so I often talk about this birth to forever process a child is born into a family and their education begins the very second they enter this world and even before but another conversation but that idea that parents begin to speak to their child hold that baby rock that baby sing take the baby places um envelop envelop the child in language and experience and sensory kinds of things education begins then and it lasts forever right once you're a parent whether you know it or not when you have that first child you're a parent forever and so the very big work in life is done by parents that education Um, we teach our kids manners we take them to church and to cultural activities we teach them social skills and we play math games and we bake with them and so on and and so that that's to me the lifelong work 
teachers, the way I look at it, and I am a teacher, I look at it as having the privilege of walking alongside parents for a very short time in a, in a child's life. And so what happens during that time a child enters the formal school system is the schooling piece of a child's education, just a small piece in relation to that broader education. And so I think we've often focused on the curriculum implementation in schools as being a child's education. And when we say schools don't own education, we begin to acknowledge the many years of education a child has before they ever enter the school system and the many, many years of education they have after they've graduated or, or left that system. That's and I think it... That's Sorry, a, Jackie. Like that's incredibly challenging because, you know, we've put, we've had generations now of parents that have come through, um, and so there's that whole learned, you know, learned acceptance of the system. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I can imagine. I mean, for me, I go yes, I want to grab that and run with it. You know, yes. <laughs> my, 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 I'm post school now. My my children are you know even now almost post-university, nearly there. Um, but um, Yay. <laughs> but it's that, that's a real challenge for parents too, to say, well, you know, change your thinking here as well. Mm-hmm. Just it is. Changing their thinking. It's, it's a whole cultural shift in, in thinking really, isn't it? Yeah, it truly is. And I think when we go back to your first question, Jackie, about why aren't we, you know, why are we still trying to define engagement and why with 50 years of research are we still talking about it? It's because it is a huge societal and cultural shift. It's a whole new way of thinking about parents and teachers positioning in the lives of kids and in the lives of kids teaching and learning, isn't it? And and so that's difficult. But, you know, when I think about... Um, I often at the beginning of a workshop when we're when I'm talking with with either educators or parents about education, I, I ask them to bring to mind a significant, a poignant childhood memory. And I ask them just to hold on to that, just one moment in time. And I would say more than 90% of the audience always, without prompting, when I ask them to think about a poignant memory, it's it's about their family, their home, time spent in community with grandparents. Rarely do people have their first poignant memory be about school. And if they do, it's typically negative. Yes. Right? So we discount the huge, huge part of education in our lives and how very significant the shaping influence of our home, our parents, our family is in that piece. And, you know, the other thing for me that's so significant is I was working with our, our Associate Deputy Minister of Education, and we were talking about contact hours. And here in our province of Saskatchewan, Canada, teachers spend 950 hours in a school year of contact time with children. When you calculate that, Jackie, it's 17, one seven, 17 17% of a, of a child's year. How can we not talk about education and schooling as being Different. distinct and education being critical, yes. right? Are we willing to give up 83% of our children's teaching and learning time or discount it? Yeah, that, that's, that in itself is actually, it's, it's exciting and also scary at the same time. Yeah. We, yeah, you know, we, we, we haven't really focused on the, the, the importance of parents. And I think, too, there's that, there's, you know, we're talking about the change in culture. I mean, I see 
in Australia and it would be the same in Canada and, and in most, most Western countries and most countries, in fact, you know, where we've got um, the most educated parent body mm. we've ever seen in history. You know? Wow. Yeah, and, and we're and we're wait, and we're we're not stepping up to the plate, you know, as as right. in, that, in that role. Yeah, um, and so and how, how do we give permission to parents to say, "Come on, yeah. guys, grab it, run with it." Right. And I mean, I, we're starting to see some cool things, right? I mean, there used to be this fuss, and I'm sure you get it in Australia too. You decide to take your children on a vacation. Maybe you're going to Bali for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And the teacher has a fit saying, how could you possibly take your children out of school? They're not learning. And yet think about what a vacation to a foreign country, to a place different than your own teaches children mm-hmm. about culture, about history, about geography, about geology I mean we could go on and on and yet somehow it doesn't count because it didn't happen in the walls of the school or as defined by the school curriculum right so who gets to decide what's what's the most important things you know and when um, I often turn to William Jane's work he's he's in the U.S. and um, he speaks about the significant things that parents do in terms of their engagement in their children's teaching and learning that makes a difference isn't the kinds of things that schools often count, parents signing homework books or filling out agendas or showing up at meetings or parent-teacher conferences, but it's actually that what Jane's calls a, a, a um, educationally oriented ambiance. It's what parents do to create a sense in the home and with their kids School matters. Learning's important. Look at this world we live in and how much there is to learn. And it's about going to the beach, going to the museum, going to a movie, going to an art gallery, playing games, walking the dog. You know, all of those things that just create a sense that we're awake in this world and learning matters and and we're learning beings. We have hopes and dreams. What are you going to be when you grow up? What are your aspirations? What are your talents? How are you using those talents? And we're discounting that. And yet when when Jane's did his meta-analysis, it was that kind of, if you will, culture that parents created about learning that mattered more than anything and definitely mattered more than the things the schools were counting. How fascinating. <laughs> mm, I think so. I find it really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Debbie, we, we had the, the um, oh, I had the pleasure of having a team, a team with me at your, uh, at the Walk Alongside Forum uh, at the end of May, beginning of June this year, which was uh, tremendous. We didn't realise yeah, we didn't realise we were going to be the only international people there. We were, we were, I know. We were, we were so thrilled to have you. You were a celebrity. <laughs> we felt very special. We felt very, very loved and very honoured to be there. It was, it was oh, a good, good experience. But the, the theme, the theme, sort of the, 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 the underlying theme for the, for the three, four days that we were with you is that this, this concept of a gentle revolution. And right. uh, I, I just uh, that's that's really uh, it's I'm really warmed that it's it's really stuck with we're stuck with all of us really. Could you enlighten us enlighten our, our listeners a bit more about what do you the, the the reason why it came you know that that theme came up and and right. how, and how you see it progressing? 
Yeah. I, I mean, it links a lot back again to your first question about, well, if we have 50 years of research, why are we still struggling to define parent engagement? Why are we still working to get teachers or, or administrators to take up this notion? And um, I guess it was sort of stemming from that belief um, when we know better, we have to do better. And we know we have all this research that tells us parent engagement in, in teaching and learning makes a difference. And so how do, we, how do we activate it? How do we act on it? What do we do? And so we, we began, you know, we, we were initially just kind of kibitzing and talking a group of us, the group that wrote the, the second book, um, Living as Map Makers, Charting a Course with Children Guided by Parent Knowledge, and, and talking about this, we need a revolution. And then uh, Momina Han, our beautiful, um, one of our beautiful members who's um, a Muslim woman and very peaceful in her whole approach to the world, said, yes, but it needs to be a gentle revolution. And, and we started talking about that concept. And, and when we played with the word revolution, if you, you know, if your listeners want to write that word on a piece of paper, R-E-V-O-L, those letters, E-V-O-L, spell love, right? And we thought, oh, how appropriate is that? We want to affect change. We know the status quo is not good enough. Our kids aren't doing well enough. Our graduation rates and our student achievement isn't strong enough, particularly for our diverse kids, particularly in our country for our Indigenous kids. And so we can't stand where we are. We have to do something differently. But as we make that change, let's do it with love. Let's do it with respect for one another, parents and teachers. Let's do it with care and concern for kids, for families, for teachers, for schools. Um, we know we can do better work when we work together. Um, and as I said earlier, we're all complicit in why the school system is the way it is. There aren't good guys and bad guys. There's no winners and losers here. We're all on the same team. And so um, we need to push hard to have loud voices, but caring voices, respectful voices that call for action and that say we know too much to stay where we are. And, and so, you know, in, in all the work we do, we're trying to say, Jackie, what can you personally do to make a difference? And then what can we collectively do? So what do we do personally? What do we advocate for? What do we influence? You know, there's a politics to this work as well, I think. Definitely, yeah. Um, Debbie, so, so if we're, if we're now focusing on, I mean, my, I'm, a, I'm a very much a solution-focused person, <laughs> so um, you know, find out what's working, do more of it, ditch the stuff that isn't working. Uh, and uh, and uh, so there's a lot there's a lot that goes on in, in in many fields. There's a lot that goes on in education that really has to be questioned about whether or not it's it's working, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, so I spend a lot of time agitating around the, around the edges on, on, that, on those sort of topics. But what do we know in, in, the, in terms of parent engagement, what, what you're seeing in the work that you do and the people you speak with, what works and how do we know that it works? Yeah. Um, I see it sort of falling into, I'm going to make two sort of large categories. One I call dwelling in. And that term dwelling in comes from very old work of Michael Polanyi's. He wrote on personal knowledge. Um, and he used that term 
to dwell in, to dwell in something long enough to really come to understand it, to know it, to embody it. And so I've, I've kind of taken that term and I'm using it here in a, in a different context. So to me, I think if we're really truly going to change schools, change the way they work, the culture of schools, to honor parent knowledge in our schools, I think then we have to dwell with our families, we have to dwell in our communities in ways that we truly come to know who they are. Not think we know who they are, not judge who they are, but truly know them. And so in that category of dwelling in, I would say what works are home visits. And I know in Australia, that's maybe a concept that's a little bit further away still than it, it is in the United States or is starting to be in Canada. <clears throat> but there's really good research developing out of the parent-teacher home visit program. Uh, it started in Sacramento. It's in other locations in, in the United States as well. Um, Stephen Sheldon's doing some research on the parent-teacher home visit program out of Johns Hopkins University. One of the things that they learned initially with that research is that when teachers go to parents' homes, when they spend time with parents in the parents' own environment, the richness of that environment, what's happening is a real interruption, um, a shift in teachers' perceptions of families in their biases, their stereotypes, their judgments. And to me, that cracks everything else open. When we come together with with respect rather than judgment, all kinds of opportunities happen. Mm -hmm. So I would say things that we're seeing work in that dwelling in category are things like the home visits um, and the relational home visits. So there's a certain purpose to those. Um, I think when we go out and walk in our communities, when we see and actually walk on the ground in which our families live to know the services, to know the strengths, to know the gifts, to know what's available, to know what the challenges are, we have a different understanding. When we attend ceremony, so for us in our First Nations communities, it means attending pipe ceremonies, sweat lodge ceremonies, smudging, feast powwows, that kind of thing, uh, and cultural events. So, you know, to attend Eid celebrations at the mosque or to go to Juma prayers on Friday at the mosque or those kinds of things. So <clears throat> I think it's a notion of asking teachers, asking principals to become learners from and with parents and families to become listeners to parents and families. And we're moving out of our place of being the knower and being the talker, the teller, to being the listener and the learner. And I think what that opens up is an understanding that we just can't get any other way. And, and then with that interruption of the biases and stereotypes, we move away from what I call stories of families, where we think we know a family. I, I can tell you something about Jackie's family, to actually family stories. So I hear you tell your story, who you are, what your aspirations are for your kids and yourself, what your hopes and dreams are, uh, your worldview, how you understand the world. And then I can now create a classroom, a school that is very family-centric, that reflects who you are, that is a mirror for you and your kids, um, that's culturally responsive, that's reflective of your context. Um, now the real rich work begins. And it gives me an opening then to bring 
your parent knowledge, your funds of knowledge onto the school landscape and into the curriculum. So to me then that opens that second piece up. So the first part we dwell in to know, to really know authentically and meaningfully develop relationships. And then that's where that second piece that I refer to as walking alongside. Um, so right now, teachers do own schools. They try really hard to own schools. And they make those decisions and we're peripheral to them. And so well, walking alongside opens that up. It cracks it open and says, parents are holders of knowledge of their children, of teaching and learning. How do we bring that knowledge onto the school landscape? Um, so that we teach in different ways. So Jackie, I think I shared an example at our, our conference here of Kirsten Kobalak, a grade one teacher who created cultural math bins. Um, and so she asked the families to look at all the ways that math exists in their world, whether it's patterns in fabrics or tablecloths, games they play at home, um, maybe an abacus from their culture and so on. And they brought all of those items to school and they created cultural math bins. And then they sorted and organized them and said, this is these, these artifacts, these games teach this curricular concept. These ones help us uh, look at patterns. These ones help us look at one-to-one -one correspondence and so on. Um, but just a very different looking math program than if she provided all the materials and provided all the instruction. And so we have the kind of research evidence we're getting out of larger scale research studies like Steve Sheldon is doing uh, with parent-teacher home visit programs. And then I think we get a lot of research evidence in the form of teacher narratives, parent narratives, and so on. Mm -hmm. And so the kinds of things that we've included in the books that I've done with the, with the grad students I've had the privilege of working with are really those narratives. Here's what I did. Here's what worked. Here's what was challenging. And here are the results. And I think so often when we look at data we look at numerical data, we want aggregate data, we want statistically significant numbers. But I think if we're going to actually shift culture and sh shift practice, if we're going to touch people's hearts, those narratives become a really important part of our data as well. Yeah. I have to say that I went to a, you know, a number of workshops you know, in the days that, the days that oh, we did. And uh, the one that the one that really touched me was the uh, the teachers who were talking about their homeschool visit programs mm. that they were running, and uh, and it was so interesting because every every one of them said, "I didn't change the families, I changed me." Yeah. And yeah. that was uh, I mean that's that's very vulnerable, isn't it? You know, that's yeah. a real, that's a, and it's very, that would be very challenging. I mean, they, they were younger teachers, so, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so they were, you know, ripe, ripe for be moving, ripe to be moving into that sort of new field. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher and I've sort of been teach, had been teaching for a long time. I know that I would have found that very challenging to yeah. do. Uh, but it was yeah. so um, so beautiful. I mean, they had the parents with them. They had these parents that they, they who they had visited probably some of them for the first time it was one of their first parent visits, and and the relationship had continued over a number of children, which was so so wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, just seeing that the change the change was in me, and I thought, wow, that's powerful. And I do. I think it is so powerful, and I truly think that's where the change has to happen. 
right? Mm -hmm. It's in our own sense of what does it mean to be a professional as a teacher in a school? Um, what does it mean? Um, you know, what are those professional boundaries, right? And you know, all of those things come into question when we talk about things like home visits. But is, is being a professional being aloof and distant and wearing that teacher suit? Or is being professional being in relationship, in an authentic, important relationship? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about how things have shifted with my doctor, with my dentist over the years. Right. I see both of them as being incredibly professional. And yet we have a warm relationship. We call each other by our first names. You need that relationship to have the really hard conversations. Exactly. And I think it's true in teaching as well. I mean, we all know, all of us who are parents, nothing matters more in the world to us than our kids. And so those conversations come from deep and, and emotional places for us. And so how do you have that kind of important conversation with a stranger? How do you trust or risk with someone you don't know or someone you don't know has your child's best interests at, at heart, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, and, and maybe that goes back to that first question too, Jackie, about why are, why are we still you know, working on this. And I think it is, it's, it's a redefining of what it means to be a professional. It's a redefining of the way we work, the times we work, who does the work with us. Those are pretty significant changes to our schools. They certainly are. What, what do you see the, as the emerging themes now? So we've, we've got, you know, we've got a sort of a, a backlog of work to do, <laughs> clearly. Yes. But, yes. there, but there are, you know, as, as society changes, there are, there, so everything old, everything new, old is new again kind of thing too. Yeah. But there are some emerging things though. And what do you yeah. see that those are? One of the things that's really exciting me is I'm seeing much more interest in parent engagement at the secondary school level. Um, so that's exciting. It's been, you know, we've been making some groundway, some headway at the elementary level. But I haven't seen the same interest at the secondary. And we always hear, we teach too many kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. You get all of the reasons. And yet, um, again, when if I return to the Walk Alongside conference, what I was surprised by, our initial res, um, registrations for the conference, the first ones that flooded in were mainly from secondary schools. Oh, how interesting. Um, <laughs> I find it really interesting. And that this year... Um, I was asked by some secondary teachers if I would do a reading course with them on parent engagement, where we focus specifically on parent engagement at the secondary level. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a shift. I'm seeing a shift that I'm, I'm finding exciting. And I think that with more and more talk about graduation rates, on-time graduation rates, um, that our secondary schools are seeing that, that maybe they're missing something when they don't engage the parents and when they continue to try to do this work on their own they're working hard they're doing good work and yet they're not moving the needle and so I think they're beginning to see that there is an untapped resource around them that that could really support that work so to me that's an encouraging piece <clears throat> you know for me I feel like I have a lot to learn about what parent engagement looks like at the secondary level so I'm really excited about about doing more work in that area. I'm going to begin working with a high school this year. Um, another one, I think, is, you know, what we mentioned earlier, um, that systematic parent engagement. 
So again, you have a great teacher doing home visits. You have a wonderful teacher doing cultural math bins. You have, you know, someone doing a family night instead of a meet the teacher night. Pockets of excellence all over, and yet not that systematic approach that changes the very landscape of education from the Department of Education right down to the teacher in the classroom. And so to me, that's a, a new emerging area and one that we're going to have to pay a lot of attention to. It's going to bring us into the area of teacher education, teacher licensing, which I'm really excited about. I think our teachers, I think we have great teachers in our school that are doing what they know how to do, and we've never taught them how to engage with parents. So how can we expect them to do it, right? Yeah. First of all, we haven't talked about it, so they don't even know it's important, and then they don't know how to do it if they decide it is important. So. I think within a systematic approach, we begin to look at changes in teacher education programs, coursework at the undergraduate and graduate level on parent engagement, coursework in educational administration programs on um, parent engagement. I'd love to see structural changes. Um, for example, here in Saskatchewan, in our Ministry of Education, Within that Ministry of Education, we have a curriculum branch, an assessment branch, an early years branch. No surprises, right? Yeah. But where's our parent engagement branch? Right? You're, not, you're not alone there. <laughs> right. And so I think we have to ask those kinds of questions. I think that's part of the gentle revolution. In, I'm, I'm, I live in the city of Saskatoon. And if I look at our large school divisions here, they have math consultants, they have literacy consultants, they have indigenous consultants, they do not have parent engagement consultants, right? So in so many ways, we are telling teachers what's important and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has to change. I know you're working with your ATSL standards and I think that's great. Um, I'd love to see parent engagement move from one of those lower to that very first one on curriculum parent knowledge and curriculum. Um, those are the kinds of things that I think we could begin to talk about and, and advocate for in as a systematic structure. Um, so I see that as an emerging theme, a trend that we're, you know, in order to get where we want to go, it's going to take more effort by more people in more planned and thoughtful kinds of ways. I think that's the great work Karen Mapp does with her dual capacity building framework. Um, you know, I think that's what she's getting at too with, with that kind of work in, in the United States. Um, and then, you know, I'd, I'd referred earlier to that kids are only in school 17% of the time. So really talking about parent engagement in out of school times and places, I think is an emerging, emerging focus for us. Um, there's just a real need to say, well, what does that mean? What does it look like? How do we support parents in engaging with their children's teaching and learning? And how do we bring that engagement that's happening in those other places back into, back into, school. Back into school so that we can make good use of it? So I, I, don't, I think we're just scratching the surface in terms of what that could mean or how we understand, understand that work as well. Better be. Yeah. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. 
I think we need to live long and prosper because we have lots to do, Jackie. <laughs> an awful lot to do, Debbie, an awful lot to do. But Debbie, we've, we've got the great pleasure of, of hosting you in, in, oh, in Australia you. Um, in the next few weeks, which is which yeah. is exciting. So what sort of conversations are, are planned, um, you know, themes, ideas? Yep. Um, yeah, a whole range of things depending where I'm going. So um, again, for some communities, we're really looking at that concept of, of parent engagement as well, mm -hmm. trying to both broaden and deepen our understanding of what parent engagement is, how it's different from parent involvement. When, you know, when I say authentic and meaningful parent engagement, what does that mean? Um, so I think we'll be doing some work on that. Um, I'll, I'll spend some time talking about parent knowledge again. I mean, in the field, we've had years of research on teacher knowledge, but there's been very little research on parent knowledge. So I'm really trying to spend time talking about what parent knowledge is um, and then how it's different from teacher knowledge and how it could inform work in classrooms and schools. So that's a fairly new idea still for, for many of us. And so playing around with that, um, I'll be doing some work talking about the research I'm currently engaged with on systematic parent engagement, some of the things we're learning from that, successes and challenges uh, with, with that. Um, so I think probably, you know, just a range of the things that we've kind of talked about through the podcast, Jackie, touching on those with different people. I'm meeting with some teacher education bodies. So it'll be really exciting to talk about a curriculum of parents in teacher education. I have a opportunity to meet with Department of Education people, both in Melbourne and Tasmania, which I'm very excited about. Um, again some of those structural systemic changes that maybe we can think about on a grander scale gotcha. i'd love i hope i get to chat with people about your aidsl standards so <laughs> you know there's there's ways to really deepen that that work that you've got going there that rich work you've got going there so mm -hmm. yeah. i think that uh, i think that discussion is really around standards and evidence that's my that's probably my, my, my area of interest, so I'll be yeah. more than happy to have a couple with you, Debbie, to have a chat. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So really, I guess, you know, depending on where everyone is in this journey, um, you, you know, if for some places newer into the journey, we're still really trying to, to define what parent engagement oh. is and why it matters. And then for others, we're really looking at, given all the great work you've done, um, how do we make it more systematic? And then how do we pull in some of those other stakeholders? And That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. it's exciting. So, it will be really exciting. So, Debbie, thank yeah. you so much for your time today. Um, this has been a, it's always a treat talking to you and listening oh, to you and, and uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? please visit the VPC website vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer Emma Sydney for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish. Until next time, thank you for listening.